Well, uh, good morning. I just want to warn you before I start, I'm going to cuss in church today, so y'all just, just be patient with me, all right? Um, there's over 150 uh, researchers around the world who are trying to find and develop the vaccine for the corona or COVID-19 virus. Uh, there's about two dozen that are kind of leading the way, and their hopes are before the end of the year that we'll have a preventative cure for the coronavirus. But here's the thing, uh, we can look at medicine, we can look at pharmaceuticals and all that, but what do you do when the issue at hand is not something with your body, an actual physical virus, but what do you do when it's more spiritual? What do you do when you're struck in your heart with this disease that I believe is spreading around the world called affluenza? Not influenza, not COVID-19, but affluenza. What do you do when greed grips your heart, when greed has a hold of your heart? What do you do when you have a closet full of clothes, full of clothes, and yet you're still going to Macy's and Dillard's and other places buying more clothes, even though you already have a closet full of clothes? You just want more shoes, more outfits, more suits, more shirts, even though you already have a closet full. And even on the other side, knowing that most of our brothers and sisters around the world uh, who are believers, who love Jesus like we do, they only have... Two outfits. They have their church clothes and their work clothes, and that's it. And here we are with a closet full of clothes still going shopping, trying to find more clothes. And what do we do when we've just moved into a new house or maybe just had our house remodeled? And even though you have a beautiful home, all you can think about is the next remodeling job or the next house or the bigger house or the pool, even though you already have so much even beyond what you need. What do you do when greed has gripped your heart? When you have a nice car that gets you from work to home and home and back, and yet you are looking at magazine ads or TV and you're saying, you know what, when I get that next promotion, I'm going to get that car, this model, or this SUV, because again, greed has gripped your heart. And what do you do when, again, I'm up here talking about this kind of stuff and you already know where I'm going, and you're saying, you know what, I already do enough, I give enough, all that, I don't need to hear this sermon. And the reason why is because, again, greed has gripped your heart. And there's only one cure, one cure when greed has gripped your heart. Let me ask you another question. Here's a question. How many of you are like me, you want God to have more of your heart? Like you say, Lord, take my heart, Lord, I give you more. How many of y'all want God to have more of your heart? All right, there's about 20 of y'all. The other 20, all right, I, I'll just... But if we're honest with ourselves, all of us want to give God more of our heart. We want to wake up in the morning thinking about the Lord already with a heart of worship, thinking about the things eternal, thinking about what God is doing, and it should have gripped and captured our hearts rather than greed capturing our hearts. And again, there's a way that we can do that. If every Bible turn to Matthew chapter 6, and we will find how there is only one cure when greed has gripped your heart. And there is a way that we can give God more of our hearts to think about the things eternal. So Matthew chapter 6. Sermon on the Mount, uh, Jesus talking here uh, again to the Pharisees, religious leaders have equated being wealthy with having God's favor and blessing and we have faith in Him. And because of that, they've accumulated and hoarded wealth because again, they equal, if you have a lot of faith in God, it means you're going to have a lot of stuff. But Jesus is also talking to us who have said, Jesus, you're our king as kingdom citizens, and he's going to give us how we should view our wealth and our money today. So again, he goes to the self-righteous pe people, the Pharisees and religious leaders who think money equals faith in God, wealth equals faith in God, who are now hoarding their wealth. But he's also speaking to us who are followers of Christ who have said, you know what, what should we do with our money? 
So here's verse 19. Do not store for yourselves, 619, treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So when your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Verse 24. No one... Absolutely no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other or will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Let's go look at verse 19 again. Jesus says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Verse 20, But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Here's point number one. After we die, we can't take our wealth with us, but we can send it ahead. That's what he's talking about in verses 19, 20, and 21. After you and I die, we leave this earth. We cannot take our wealth with us. No matter how little we have, no matter how much we have, we cannot take it with us. Psalm 24, 1, the verse that Joel read, the earth is the Lord and all that dwell in it. God owns everything. So if you have anything, a house, money in the bank, stock options, mutual funds, shoes, a belt, whatever you have is given to you, entrusted to you from God. God has given it to you. And what happens is this. In 1 Timothy 6, we'll look at it a little bit later. God says often what happens when we have material wealth is we get proud. We think we're better than other people. And that's why... Paul is warning Timothy, don't let these people be conceited. Recognize that everything you and I have, no matter how little or how much, has been given to us by God. And here's the point. We cannot take it with us. We cannot take it with us. There's a well-known mobster in Chicago whose son died, and he was notorious for gambling and all kinds of mafia activities. When his son died in a tragic shooting, he buried his son in a coffin that was made from a Cadillac. So here he was in a Cadillac, Holding the steering wheel, he put diamond-encrusted rings on his son's hands and filled his hands with hundreds of dollars of bills. But here's the point. You can be buried in that, but you cannot take it with you. And that's what Jesus says. Do not store up yourselves treasures on earth. Why? He says, here's a problem. There's two problems where moth and rust destroy. You have rot and you have rust. Second law of thermodynamics, order, disorder. Everything is falling apart. Everything that you own, no matter how eternal it seems, is all going to burn up one day. It's all going to be given to somebody else. You cannot take it with you. On top of that, he says in verse 19, where thieves break in and steal, where you're worried constantly about someone coming, hacking your system, or literally robbing you. In those days, they would either bury their money in their wall somewhere or in their floor, or if they were a farmer, they would go out to a field, find X marks a spot, dig up a spot, and bury their money there because they knew that a robber, a thief, would come to their house and at knife point say, give me your money, and they would begin to dig in the walls or dig to get their money. So he says, the other thing about wealth on this earth is risk is risk. So you have rot, 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 rust, and risk with the stuff that you lay here on earth. And what he's not saying is don't open a 401k and save. That's not what Jesus is saying. But he says if you've made your life all about accumulating wealth in this life, you've missed the point because again, rot, rust, and risk. What should we do then? Jesus, verse 20. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. 
You can't take it with you, but you can invest in the future. You can pay it forward. Where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where neither thieves do not break in or steal. So he's saying, if you, as a follower of Jesus Christ, take the wealth that God has given you and say, you know what, God has given this to me. He wants me to manage it. It belongs to God. If you manage it properly, you can pay some of it forward. You can invest in eternity so that when you die one day and you're with him, it will be waiting for you. He says you can do that. How do you do that? He gives this principle. For where your treasure is, there your heart is also. So here's the principle. Your heart, your will, your emotions, your thoughts will follow wherever your money is. Whatever you value, whatever you think is important in life, if you put that where you want to be, your heart's going to follow. Your heart always follows what's valuable to you. Let me give you an example of that. Uh, my daughter, um, both my girls were both really good volleyball players. We took tons of recruiting visits. Um, so our older daughter, she took a recruiting visit. Both of them weren't good enough to play D1. They uh, had D2 and D3 opportunities. Our older daughter went to Division II college I had never, ever heard of. Southern Nazarene University in Bethany, Oklahoma, right outside of Oklahoma City. I'd never heard of the school. But they said, hey, we like you. Come take a visit. So she came. I went with her. We took a visit. Did all the stuff. Rolled out the red carpet. Here's all the stuff we do. Here's our programs, our majors. And this is what she decided to do. They offered a scholarship, academic, and athletic. And so she ended up going and committing to that school. She just graduated from there. But again, I had never, ever heard of the school. But this is what happened. The moment she left our house... I love my daughter. I value my daughter. Now, Southern Nazarene has something I value, my daughter. Here's what also I love. I love money. I love my money. And now they're getting a little bit of my money as well. So here's what Southern Nazarene University had. Never heard of the school before in my life. Now they have my daughter and my money. You know what I started doing? Followed them on Twitter, Facebook. I became friends with the president of the school on Facebook. I put him on my prayer list. I began praying for him every morning. And I said, hey, I'm praying for you. Why? Because now Southern Nazarene had my daughter and my money, and now it was always on my thoughts. I'd always check their sports scores and did chapel for their football team because of the fact they had things I valued, my daughter and my money. And that's what happens with us, that if we take the money that God gives us and use it to advance God's kingdom, we can pay it forward. And you know what we, happen, we start doing? Now God has more of our heart. Because when we invest what, the money that we have in God's work, now we begin thinking more and more about what God is doing. Are you all with me? That naturally happens, right? You buy a mutual fund, invest in a mutual fund, or buy a stock. What are you doing the next morning? You're looking up the stock ticker thing, or you're looking up your account on a regular basis because you realize they've got some of your money. And now you're concerned about what's going on with them. So again, we cannot take it with us, but we can pay it for. Look at Luke 16. Luke 16. Here's an illustration of what that looks like. Luke 16. Luke 16. And you can write this down as you turn there. Luke 16. Paul tells Timothy the exact same thing. He says, some have fallen away from the face, faith because of money. They've pursued wealth. They want to be rich. The love of money is the root of all sorts of evil. Then verses 17, 18, and 19, he says, to those of us who are wealthy, not wealthy by our neighbor's standards, but wealthy by God's standards. If you have a house, a car, 
and a job, you're wealthier than 97% of the world. I don't know if you knew that. Compared to your co-workers, you may not feel wealthy, but compared to the world. There was a person, a Christian, who came from a developing country, the U.S., and he was baffled by the fact that we have garage, garages for our cars. And he said this, you are so wealthy in America, even your cars have homes. And so Paul says to Timothy, teach those who are wealthy in this world to be generous givers. And this is how we can do it. We use our money to invest in God's kingdom, to advance God's kingdom by supporting the local church, by supporting ministries, supporting missionaries. And in verses 1 through 8, Jesus tells this story about an unrighteous manager. He, he's a sales guy and he's done some bad deals and now he's about to get fired. But he says, hey, before I do that, I'm going to go and collect some money from these people I've sold to so I can give some of it back to my boss, but also so that these people will be friends with me. Look at verse 8. And his master, his boss, praised the unrighteous manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the sons of this age, the non-Christians, the unbelievers, are more shrewd in relation to their own kind than the sons of light, the believers. Why? Verse 9. And I say to you, make friends for yourselves by means of the wealth of unrighteousness, so that when it fails, and it will fail because we can't take it with us, they will receive you into the eternal dwellings. What does that mean? He says, if we have the money, the wealth that God gives us, and we use it to advance God's kingdom and God's kingdom work, investing, giving to the local church, giving to missionaries, giving to uh, 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 Christian groups, intervarsity, fellowship Christian athletes, groups like that, the people that come to Jesus Christ through what you have given one day, and I don't know what it looks like, will welcome you into heaven as a thank you. So here's the picture. Can you imagine, and I don't know what it looks like, but so go with me in a little imagination, a little sanctified imagination. Is that one day, maybe the Archangel Michael or Peter, or Archangel Michael Gabriel says, you know what? Josh Schmidt is here. Josh Schmidt is here. And, and the people who, as, God, as Josh and his wife gave to missions and to the local church and to groups like FCA and others, the people that came to faith through what they gave, people from Haiti, people from Brazil, people from North Carolina, people from Indiana, all those people that were reached with the gospel that came into the kingdom through their giving will line the streets of gold carrying tambourines and horns and all that, welcome you into the kingdom. And sadly, for some of us, there's not going to be anybody or maybe a small trickle of people because we have decided to keep our money for ourselves and invest in ourselves and our own network rather than being generous in our giving. And he says, unrighteous people, the non-Christians know I can use money to build friends so that when I lose my job, I can say, hey, can I have a job? They'll say, yeah, 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 you're my boy. You, come, you can have a job. And he says, as Christians, we can give. We have the opportunity. Not we don't have to give. We get to give. We get to give so that one day in eternity, people will welcome us in saying, thank you for giving. I don't even know you personally, but because you gave, I came to faith in Jesus Christ. The cool thing is this, uh, right now we're on, we're live streaming, and the live stream is not just going to folks at Bayou City, it's going out around the world. And there may be somebody, because you gave to Bayou City, who's able to get the technology and all that stuff, to get this message around the world, who may come to faith in Jesus Christ. You don't even know who they are. 
They may be in Haiti. They may be in Colombia. They may be in Canada. They may be in wherever you... They may be in Asia, China. They may be seeing this right now. And one day when your name is called, they'll be lining up saying, thank you for giving. So again, we can't take it with us, but we can pay it forward. And here's the thing. Your heart, your heart naturally follows where you put your, what you value. It naturally follows. So here's the thing. You can sing, Lord, take my heart, take my life. I give you my heart, Lord. And if God still feels distant, my question to you is this. I'm about to cuss, y'all. Are you giving? I know people don't like to talk about giving in church, but are you giving? Because as you give your wealth, you'll find that your heart is going to follow where your money goes. So here's the question, though. Go back to Matthew 6. There are people who are hearing this message right now. Falling on deaf ears. People who live in this world. Who see all that God has blessed them with materially. Who see the brokenness and poverty in our world. Who see how much they have and how grateful they should be and yet are blind to it. Why is that? Look what Jesus, he switches it now from the heart to the eye. Verse 22. Matthew 6, 22, the eye is the lamp of the body. So when your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. When you see clearly, he's saying. Verse 23, but if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? What is he talking about? It's the same thing that we say in our world today. Point number two, but we can be blinded by greed. We can be blinded by greed. Point number two, you can know that God has blessed you. You can know that giving, your heart follows after where you put your money. You can know all these things and say, God, I want you to have more of my heart. But you're going to come up with every reason not to give. Every reason why this message is for somebody else. Because you have been blinded by greed. You've been deafened by greed. You're going to hold on to your stuff whether you have lots of money or little money, because of greed. You have been blinded by greed. And Jesus says, if you see clearly perspective from God's perspective, what God has given you, entrusted to you, that you cannot take any of it with you, when you see that clearly, you say, God, I want to be a generous. When you see that your heart's going to follow where you put your money, I want to be a generous giver. But he says in verse 23, but if your eye is bad, if you've been blinded by greed, your whole body will be full of darkness. Your actions will follow. If then that light is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? If you've ever watched any TV shows about hoarders, have you ever met a happy hoarder? Never, right? They're always miserable people. And here's the thing. How many of y'all know people who are just generous to a fault? Like generous to a fault. Aren't they usually the most joyous, happy people? You see that going hand in hand? That's what he's saying. The people who have God's perspective, who see clearly, who are generous, these folks are happy and joyous. They're excited. They're grateful. But the people who are hoarders saying, it's all for me. i got to keep it because I don't know when that rainy day is coming. And I don't know if I can trust anybody who hoard. They're the most unhappy people. Why? It's affected their whole body, their hearts. Because they've been blinded by greed. There's this thing... Um, I came in the days before ADD and ADHD I was diagnosed. And I think if I were like a kid today, they'd probably say, that boy got ADD. There's something wrong with that kid. Um, there was a kid, 10-year-old kid, who they thought had ADD. He had a hard time focusing in class and paying attention. So they tested him for ADD, nothing. 
So like, man, why is this kid having a hard time paying attention? They took him to the optometrist and they said, hey, you did an eye exam on him uh, a few weeks ago, a few months ago. Can you do it again and make sure we've got the right prescription? Maybe he just can't see the board. Did the same thing, same prescription. They're like, no, the same thing is happening. So then the optometrist thought about it and said, hey, can I see those glasses? They took the glasses and they said, where'd you have the prescription filled? And they named the place and said, oh, that place does a terrible job with prescriptions. They put the glasses in the little eye meter thing and found out that this place had made the glasses for someone with severe astigmatism. So this is what happened to the boy. When he put the glasses on, he would see all these wonky and warped things because of the fact the glasses were making him see those things. And that's why he could not pay attention. He could not focus because his view was distorted. And you all, the same is true of us. If greed has blinded you, it's going to warp the way you see life. It's going to make you ungrateful and it's going to make you hold on rather than being open-handed and generous. Jesus said this way in the church at Laodicea, Revelation chapter 3, last book of the Bible, don't need to turn there, verses 16 to 18. He says the church at Laodicea who, who was just bawling. They just had money, they had wealth, they had clothes, they had medicine, they had everything they needed. And because of that, they put their hope in wealth and medicine and their clothes. And this is what Jesus said. He said to them, these are Christians. You're blind, you're naked, and you're poor. Time out, Jesus. Man, we got a 401k that's huge. We live in a mansion. We got that new Mercedes. We got a closet full of clothes. We work for Pfizer or Merck. Whatever. We got all the medicine we need. And you're saying to us that we are poor, blind, and naked? He says, yep. Yep. Because greed has blinded you. This world has blinded you. So here's the question. Do you look at people... Do you look at people who come to your business as dollar signs, as customers, as opportunities to make money? Do you look at people as either assets or liabilities? Do you look at your kids saying, man, I'm spending all this money on my kid for college. He's a liability. She's a liability. I'm spending all this money taking care of my mom. All this money taking care of my dad. They're liabilities. Or do you see them from God's perspective in the Imago Dei as fearfully and wonderfully made? Because maybe the way that you see your life and see people, maybe the way you see the Wall Street Journal is because of you've been blinded by greed. It's affected your vision. Um, here's the thing. God has designed us he calls us vessels. He calls us vases, a vase, that are filled up and then poured out. Filled up, poured out. So you just think of wine. Just think of water, like a pitcher of water. God wants to fill you up, but then you, he wants you to pour yourself out. Fill up, pour yourself out. He wants you to be like a, a river. He wants God's blessings. God wants his blessings to flow through you, not stop with you. I went for a run yesterday in Attic's Reservoir right here. Attic's Reservoir, if you've ever seen it, is a swamp. You know why? Because water's not flowing into it and through it. Water flows into it and it stops. And the same is true of us. When what God blesses you with stops with you, you become a swamp. But when God's blessings flow through you, you experience life as meant to be lived. So here's this thing. Um, if you ain't giving, you ain't living. You can tweet that one right now. If you ain't giving, you ain't living. 
If God's blessings stop with you and are not flowing through you, you've become a dead swamp. It's getting really quiet in here, y'all. If you ain't giving, you ain't living. So Jesus says it this way as I wrap up. Oh, and then uh, Luke 12, 15. Luke 12, 15. Remember the rich fool who hoarded it? He, 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 he had all this grain, all this wealth. Rather than being generous and giving and generous to God and giving God his heart, what did he do? He went and he wanted, got all this stuff in a storage facility and stored all his stuff and stored more of his stuff. And he says, man, I'm rich and happy. And then God says, you fool. Tonight your soul's required of you. You die. And so Jesus says in Luke 12, 15, be careful of greed. Our hearts are naturally going to be greedy. The world is going to... Here's the thing. Have you ever seen an advertisement on TV that says, hey, be content with your car. Be content with your home. You have closet full of clothes. Be content with that. You don't need any more. You in debt? Don't get in any more debt. You don't need any more stuff. You need to be content. Right? Who cares about the sale? You have everything you need. Just be content with anything. No! We live in a world that constantly pitches, you cannot be a man unless you have this outfit. You can't be a man unless you have these clothes and this car. You really can't be a woman, stylish and modern, unless you have all this stuff. Your house is not really a home unless you have granite countertops. You're like, oh, that's what I thought, granite, that's what I need. And we get in debt and more debt, buying stuff, and the world will never tell you you have enough. Be grateful. Don't get in debt. And this is what Jesus says, he wraps up, verse 24. No one can serve two masters. For either he'll hate the one and love the other, he will devote to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Jesus says again, where you put your money, your heart's going to follow. And he also says this principle, you cannot worship two masters. Especially when these two masters are opposite. Here's the thing, if you Call God your master. If you call Jesus your master, he's calling us to live by our convictions, our biblical convictions, if Jesus is your master. But if money is your master, it's always begging you and asking you to live by compromise. Oh, man, should I be honest to my taxes? I can save some money if I lie a little bit here, fudge a little here, I compromise a little here. You know what, I could score this deal with this person, this customer, if I lie a little here and say this and promise this and under here, do this and get a little money under the table. Yeah, yeah I, can, I can make it and the boss will be happy, I'll hit my quota. We're constantly negotiating with compromise. Well, God says, if I'm your master, I, I've laid it all right here. You've got the biblical conviction. Here's the other thing. He says, if you worship money and if you serve money, you're worshiping the creation. Everything that you own, everything that you see, God created when we should be worshiping the creator. He should be our master. Because you know what? The creator, the master, can take all this away at any second. And you may go home to be with the Lord and all this you can't even take with you. So he says, how foolish of it is for you to worship the creation rather than the creator. My, my wife has mastered some uh, Japanese cooking now. Uh, she learned from my mom and, and, and learned some Japanese cooking. How foolish of it would be to, 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 if you came to our house and you saw me curled up in bed with this bowl of like hot rice and, you know, 
uh, pot stickers and wontons, you know, like just curled up next to it. You're like, what's wrong with that guy? He's intimate and close with the creation rather than the one who made all that stuff. So Jesus says it's impossible. Many years ago, I had a friend in seminary, Rob Triggs, who's from Houston. And I saw Rob, he was studying the library. He was falling asleep while studying. I said, Rob, what's going on? He looked angry and tired. I said, Rob, why are you so angry and tired looking? He says, man, Icky, you know, I'm from Houston. I was a youth pastor in Houston. I got my youth here in Houston. But now I'm at a church in Dallas and I've got youth ministry there. And he said, I'm trying to be a youth pastor at a church in Houston, a church in Dallas. And I said, Rob, you can't do that, bro. 300 miles apart. So he said, exactly. I come, do youth stuff on Friday night, Saturdays with the youth in Dallas, and I drive at 5 a.m. down to Houston to do youth stuff in Houston. And then I go back up that afternoon to do other stuff. He said, I'm tired, and I've now realized I've begun to despise one of the ministries because I can't serve and be a youth pastor for two different churches. I can't do it. And you know what? If you're fatigued and tired today, the question to ask yourself is, are you serving God on Sunday? Worshiping God on Sunday. But Monday through Saturday, you got a different master. That money and gold and wealth and all this stuff has become your God. And if you have, it's because your heart was not designed to worship God on Sundays and somebody else Monday through Saturday. That's what he's saying here. You cannot serve, no matter who you are. Don't let greed lie to you. Point number three, don't be deceived by greed. We cannot serve God and wealth. We can't do it. Nobody can. Where is your heart? Is your heart in the morning when you wake up because God has so much in your heart that you're like, I need to get into the Word of God. I need to hear from God. Do you pick up the Word of God? Or do you pick up the Wall Street Journal? you pick up the Word of God or you're checking the ticker tape? Are you more concerned about the streets of gold or Wall Street? He says you can't serve two masters. Don't let greed deceive you. Don't think you're the exception to the rule. You can't do it. So here's the big idea for today. Generous giving releases greed's grip. If greed has gripped your heart, no matter how much money you make, don't give in to that lie thinking if I just get that extra 10,000 more, that bonus or promotion, then I'll be content. Contentment doesn't come with having more money. Generous giving releases greed's grip. If you've been blinded by greed, if you want to give God more of your heart, generous giving releases greed's grip. Here's the principle to live by. Give, spend, and save. Give, spend, and save. Y'all are getting it. I, I see some confused looks. How many of y'all old enough to remember a time when Thanksgiving, Thursday, everything was closed? Y'all remember those days when everything was closed? I mean, everything was closed. Stores, Target, Walmart, grocery stores. If your mom or your grandmother or your aunt forgot like, oh, I forgot the turkey baster. You could not go to the store and go buy a turkey baster. If you forgot to get, uh, you know, some soda or something, you could not go to the store. Some gas stations were even closed. You had to make sure you traveled at the right time, had a full tank of gas. But nowadays, they call Thanksgiving Thursday, what? Gray Thursday. And what follows Gray Thursday? Black Friday. What follows Black Friday? Small Business Saturday. What happens on Sunday? Take a break from shopping Sunday, I think, right? What happens on Monday, y'all? Cyber Monday. So get this, get this. Spend your money on Gray Thursday. 
Spend even more money on Black Friday. Go to your local shops on Saturday and spend some money from some local people. Worship at Bayou City Fellowship on Sunday. But Monday at 6 a.m. or even midnight, you better be on Amazon. You better be at Apple.com. You better be on your favorite site because deals are coming. Spend even more money. And what follows after that on Tuesday? Y'all don't even know. Giving Tuesday. And here's the message the world is sending you. Sending me. Spend all this money on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Monday. And if you have any left over, now give it to God. The God who gave you all that money. All those resources. You got a little bit left over. If you've not even overextend yourself in debt, you got something left over, throw a few dollars to God. Chuck some change to God. So here's what I want encourage you to do. This is what my family and I do. We make Giving Tuesday on the Tuesday before. Or actually on the Sunday before. So we give over and above on that Sunday because we know the world is teaching you, give, I mean, spend, 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 get in debt, spend, and then if you have something left over, give it to God. You know where your heart's going to go if you live that way? And the stuff you bought. But if you give God first, does God ask us to give leftover or first fruits? First fruits. First fruits. So give first, then spend. We have bills to pay, and then save. Give, spend, and save. Because again, generous giving releases greed's grip. I'm a little excited about this and super convicted. I, 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 um, I feel like this is the message uh, pastors need to preach more of. Give, not to get more. Give because you've gotten. And if you give because you've gotten, God is going to look at you. Your heart's closer to him. And God says, I can trust you. I can entrust you with even more because you've been faithful. And if you've been unfaithful and you've been praying for that new job or new car or new whatever, God's saying, man, the little I gave you, you ain't even doing right with that. You're giving me your leftovers. You're asking me to give the best of me and you're giving me leftovers? And here's the good thing about God. For God so loved the world that he gave. You are never going to outgive God. God is always going to be a generous giver. One of the ways, he says, uh, we're filled with the Spirit. One of the fruits of the Spirit, a fruit of the Spirit is goodness. The word goodness can be translated generous. And so I'm not asking you to legalistically say, okay, I'll start giving, Pastor. I'll start giving. Put together a budget. Pray. Say, Holy Spirit, would you lead me as I prepare this budget? How much of this would you have me to give? How much spend? Here's my bills. And how much to save? Now, notice some of you are saying, Pastor, I don't need to hear this message. I'm a tither. I give 10% of my gross income. I'm a tither. Well, you know what? Biblically speaking, Old Testament, there were three tithes. Tithe number one, 10%. Tithe number two, 10%. Tithe number three, 10% every three years. So a biblical tither, you give 23 and a third percent of your income every year. And here's the other thing. Tithing, I think, is, is Old Testament. And I think it's a good starting point. It's the, it's the ceiling, not the floor. So if you give 10%, great. Praise God for you. But this is what God wants us to do. He doesn't want us to be tithers. He wants us to be allers. Matthew 13, 44. There's a parable Jesus tells. He says, let's say you and I are going to buy some land. We go to buy the land. We're inspecting the land. And we see this big X marks the spot. We dig it up. 
and there's a treasure in there. Some farmer who owned it before put his life savings in there. We quickly cover it up, go to the seller and our realtor, hey, when can we close? When can we close, right? Jesus says this, if you discover that, you will sell everything you have to get that field. What does he compare the field to? The kingdom of God. He says, when you know what it's like to live life under the rule of Jesus Christ, you will give everything you have to enjoy that life. You're so grateful. The pearl of great price. He says, like you go to a market, find this pearl of great price, and you say, I'm selling everything I have. He says, the kingdom of God is that pearl. If you've trusted Jesus and now know what it means to live under his reign, he says, generous giving. I'll give it all. Um, how many of y'all have washed your hands more, hand sanitizer more, over the last six months than ever in your life? Like 12 times a day. I was watching this report when all this first started happening by the CDC that said why we need to wash our hands. And the reason why we wash our hands is because soap, bar soap, any kind of soap, is what's called lipophilic. Lipo, liposuction means fat. Philic means love. Philadelphia, phileo. Soap loves fat. The coronavirus has a fatty membrane that protects it. A fatty membrane that protects it. And so this is what happened. Soap loves fat. And so it's drawn to that coronavirus in the fat and it breaks it down. But here's the other thing about soap. Soap is also hydrophilic. Hydro, water, philic, loves. It loves water. So this is what soap does. Soap is attracted to that virus. It breaks down that fat in the cell membrane or the membrane in that viral membrane, and it breaks apart the virus. But it also loves water, so it also brings water, which washes it all away. Y'all with me? And you know what? Your heart, my heart, is like soap. Our hearts are like soap. Our hearts are pneumophilic. That's a made-up word. Pneumis coming from pneumismatic, coin or wealth. Our hearts are drawn to money and wealth. And so when you give to God's kingdom, when you give to the local church, when you give to advance God's kingdom, your heart is naturally going to be drawn to it. But here's the other thing about your heart. Your heart is also, this is another made up word, suisphilic, which is Latin for you love yourself. You love yourself. So your heart is drawn to wherever you put your money. And you know what's going to happen to you? Wherever your heart is, you're going to go there too. So here's a question again, y'all. How many of you all want God to have more of your heart? How many of y'all want to wake up in the morning thinking about the Lord and just rejoicing in the Lord from jump? How many of y'all want to go to bed thanking God because God is so close to you? God's thoughts are your heart, or your thoughts. God's heart is your heart. And he tells us where your treasure is, where your money is, your heart's going to follow. And where your heart goes, you're going to go too. So again, if greed has gripped your heart, if greed has blinded you, there's only one solution. There's only one cure. Generous giving releases greed's grip. Let's pray.
God, uh, I'm so convicted by this message. Um, God, help us to have your eyes, to see clearly, to see how greed has blinded us. When we hear about someone who's lost their job because of the economy, instead of thinking, oh well, too bad, to think, God, is there a way that you're calling me to personally give to them? Like we looked at a few weeks ago, to give even anonymously, maybe to leave just an envelope full of cash in their work locker. God, we want you to have more of our hearts. And God, we can sing and sing and sing and worship and maybe emotionally feel like our hearts are closer to you. But Jesus, you laid it out clear as day. Wherever we put what's valuable to us, our heart is going to follow. So God, if we're giving or giving very little and we're asking you to have much more of our heart, Lord, we know spiritually it's not even possible. We're asking for something that we're not willing to do ourselves. So Master, I pray right now for everyone under the sound of my voice. God, that you would make this church a church full of generous givers. That greed would not grip our hearts. That greed would not blind us. That we would not give in to the world's lies and deception, the enemy's lies and deceptions of get, get, get more debt, hoard. To spend on Thursday, spend on Friday, spend on Saturday, spend on Monday. And if we have anything left over, to just throw a few bucks to you even though you're the one that gave us and entrusted us with everything, God. Psalm 24, 1, Lord, you own it all. And you've entrusted a little bit of it to us. So God, I pray for everyone, again, here and even the people watching online. Master, I pray that you would make us generous givers. God, as you fill us with the Spirit, as our hearts have been gripped by you, that the overflow of that, the outcome of that, would that we would be abundant givers, generous givers. Because God, we want you to have more of our hearts. God, we want to one day enter into your eternal kingdom, be welcomed by myriads and people who have been reached and touched and discipled because we gave what you entrusted us. This head's bowed, eyes closed. Again, our prayer team's not up yet, but if you say, I want to be a generous giver, and I realize that greed has gripped my heart, uh, would you stand right where you are? Just heads bowed, eyes closed. Love to pray for you. Just to stand right where you are. If you say, God, I want to be a generous giver. Thank you for standing. Thank you for courageously standing. Thank you for standing back there. God, we do pray. I do pray for this. Uh, these folks who are staying right now. You see their heart and their desire. And God, I know that the greed that blinds them and grip, gives grip their hearts is going to lie to them. That they're going to say, hey, that message is somebody else. You need even more. God, I pray that they would be generous givers. That they would go and evaluate their budget and pray, Holy Spirit, fill me, control me, lead me into giving first, spending second, and saving last. I pray that your spirit be at work in their hearts, 
And we ask in Jesus' name, amen.